0: Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show we'll be taking a look at Avengers Endgame. Yes, the film of the freaking century. And we're doing this episode a little different. Uh, those of you who've been listening to Offscript before know that normally we do two epi- two, two films, uh, one after another, with a little segment in the middle. This week we're just doing Endgame. It's three hours, so here's how we're going to do it. All right? We're going to do the first half uh, spoiler-free. It's going to be... Endgame, objectively, looking at it, if you haven't seen it, listen through, you'll love it. We'll talk a little bit about Steven Spielberg, Netflix, and what's going on there in our Death of Cinema segment in the middle. And after that, we'll, we'll issue a spoiler warning, and then for 10 or 20 minutes, we're talking Endgame spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, you're okay to listen to the podcast up through 30 or 40 minutes or so. But we'll give you a big spoiler warning, and then we're going to get into it. So duck out before then, unless you want the film spoiled for you. That's and right. And before we get... To all of it, we need to talk about some news. And the first thing, a small but important event, Fathom Events is bringing Saving Private Ryan and Forrest Gump back into theaters in June uh, in honor of their 25th anniversaries and their 23rd and 25th anniversaries, respectively. Andy, you're a big fan of these films. What do you think?
1: Man, you know, I actually saw both of these in the theaters which I was probably too young to see. I, I would have seen um, Saving Private Ryan when I was fourteen or fifteen, which is really way too young for that movie. Yeah. Uh, and same thing with with Forrest Gump. Actually, I may have seen Forrest Gump a little bit later, um, but I remember hearing a lot about it. It was it was such a huge deal at the time, uh, and a lot of buzz. Saving Private Ryan really changed the face of war films. Uh, at up until this time, you know, war films were very much. Uh, glamorize and romanticizing war. We started to get a little bit more of the re- the realism in the 80s with films about Vietnam and then Saving Private Ryan really changed things. You know, it has this incredible 25 minute opening, uh, the storming of uh, Omaha beach on D-Day. Nothing like it has really been made since. Um, and nothing had been made like that up until that point. So it's, it's a really incredible film. And if you get the chance to get in a the theater and see it and, probably get the closest you're gonna come to being in in a war if you're not an actual if you haven't been um, yeah it's just it's an incredible film and that definitely requires the theater going experience
0: yeah I think it's easy um, in, in both of these films cases but explicitly saving private Ryan I think it would be very easy to blow this off uh you know it's I've seen it before I know how it goes it's a bummer it's fine. But like man, you, you really can't forget how incredible Saving Private Ryan is as a film, uh, as as a piece of, of war kind of history and 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 what it did. I mean, it broke ground in in, in how it was shot and the look of it and the feel of it. Um, veterans who watched it reported like having flashbacks and stuff. Like it, it's some it's some it's the something there. It taps into something real and Forrest Gump does as well. It's an incredible film. Um, Almost almost Best Picture worthy in the case of Saving Private Ryan's 90, oh, that's... Uh, 90 when did that come out? 97. Forst, 97. Forrest Gump was 94. That's right. Um, Lost of Shakespeare in Love. Bummer. But uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'd like to see these two. The only bummer is these these, these screenings are on a Tuesday and a Sunday, so that, that's not exactly ideal, but that's right. I'll, definitely, I'll definitely try to catch one of them. You got a preference? I'm curious. Either way.
1: Pre- definitely Saving Private Ryan.
0: I was a Forrest Gump kid myself, but my dad's a history teacher. There's a whole lot of something to you that.
1: Know, yeah, and it was one of those war films that, you know, it, it kind of de glamorized war and brought up lots of philosophical questions. It also saw an incredible cast, you know, Tom Hanks, Matt Damon, Tom, si- Tom Sizemore, uh, Edward Burns, Giovanni Rubisi. Uh, Vin, Vin Diesel is, is yeah. in it brief, yeah. briefly. It's uh, Hitler Youth or Knife or something.
0: Everybody forgets <clears throat> Vin Diesel.
1: Yeah, I mean a bunch of pe- of big actors who are big now when they were first kind of starting out.
0: Yeah, well, uh, we'll keep it here on Off Script for more about uh, Fathom Events. I'd like to go to see more of those. Honestly, I saw a thing the other day for some screenings they were doing this. Time. Anyway. Uh, our second story uh, This is out of Lionsgate Studios Doug Lyman's hundred million dollar Costing uh, Chaos Walking Was reportedly deemed unreleasable By Lionsgate and if you're anybody Who knows anything about cinema you have No idea what that headline means but I'll break It down for you alright so Lionsgate's Been working on this movie called Chaos Walking Alright what's interesting about Chaos Walking Is directed by Doug Lyman, director Of Edge of Tomorrow which was a, a Kind of sleeper hit it's two Stars are Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley, two very big up and comers in cinema right now, Spider Man and Rey from Star Wars. Uh, it's partly written by Charlie Kaufman, who's a kind of a divisive character in writing, but I like his stuff. And it also stars Mads Mickelson. The point is, this movie seems like it'd be a home run. You have two really big up and coming stars. Like, what's not to love? What's interesting about it is, despite $100 million, the board, the board executives at Lionsgate get together. They watch this cut of this film, and they decide, like, we can't put this out. It's too bad. It's not good enough. And the reason I put this in this in in the news here, because and Andy was asking me before we started, is because. I don't know. It, it's it's in some way satisfying to know there is some kind of quality control in Hollywood. That not everybody's just dumping movies onto Netflix. They don't know if they're going to work. That, that they're willing to invest the time and the energy just to do reshoots, figure out what doesn't work, and revisit it and work again. Feels good to know that somebody is doing that. It's not just a total crapshoot. It's not just abandon ship and, and take what we got and sell it uh, to, the, to, the, to the highest bidder. Uh, any thoughts on that, Andy?
1: You know, when, when I was, I just read a little bit here and when I kind of <laughs> hear what this is about and A, that Charlie Coffin is involved as well, I'm like, well, no wonder. So th- this line here that catches me, it said, uh, it's set in a dystopian world where there are no women and all living creatures can hear each other's thoughts in a stream of images, words, and sounds called noise. That seems like some really weird out there stuff. Um, and obviously there's no women, but uh, I guess except for Daisy Ridley. Yeah, that sounds like a disaster. Throw in Charlie Kaufman and six other writers. I don't, I don't know <laughs> what that's going to be about. Dude,
0: yeah, I don't know where you're at when you have six writers and one of them is Charlie Kaufman. Like, oh, my God. Like, I don't even know what you're going to. So, yeah, uh, it's its really something. But uh, fun fact, Tom Holland, our, our, our man, Spider-Man. Has been on Instagram, uh, posting pics from like the reshoots and stuff that they're doing. So like he's he's public about it, and like yeah, we're 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 making this movie one way or another. It's gonna happen. So somebody believes in it. I I think it's wacky, but they're out on they're out in the forest. They're out you know shooting out in the woods, and they're they're doing stuff. So I don't know. I, I you know I guess it is what it is. Uh, this movie's gonna get made one way or another. But we're gonna f- gonna find out what happens. I mean,
1: to it. I almost want to see it now just to see what kind of disaster. This is going to be. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Netflix picks it up or one of the other streaming services.
0: Right, and 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 this is a good. This is a good reminder that like, studios don't necessarily have it figured out. They never really know what's going to work and what isn't. They got to take chances, and sometimes it doesn't work out, and sometimes it really does. But I appreciate that they're trying to do something new. I I like Kaufman. I I know his work is is you know uh, divisive yeah uh, yeah divisive is the term to use i think but um we'll, we'll see what happens C- keep it here on off script for more about chaos walking our last story this week before we get to avengers non-spoilers for the first half i swear it'll be fine uh weekend box office avengers endgame crushes the opening weekend record uh it, things have picked up since this article was published uh but from what we know in the first three days avengers endgame made a whopping do you want to say it? I almost don't want to...
1: $357 million. Well, domestic.
0: First, uh, first, yeah, domestic. Yeah, right. That doesn't include overseas, which was a fat $859 million for a grand total of...
1: $1.2
0: billion. Oh, my God. In a weekend. In one weekend. <laughs> Somebody did the math uh, to figure out what that added up to, and we, we, we'll crunch the numbers. In the first three days, Avengers Endgame, for every second it was out, for every second... This movie was out around the world and made $2,799. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's, it has been, it's been crushing records. Everything, I think. The only record yeah. it hasn't scooped is biggest box office opening for original screenplay. Right? That was Avatar, I think. Uh, technically, this is adapted or derived. I, I don't even know how that works. But Right. Any but thoughts it, on this?
1: Yeah. I mean, it broke Thursday night. Um Thursday night records with 60 million Friday opening day with I think over it was over 200 I think and then of course 357 for the weekend which is almost a hundred million more than the force awakens which had uh, the second most now the second most Uh, this is huge we knew this movie was going to be huge we knew that it was likely going to be the the biggest movie of all time up until this point and I think it's definitely going to do that. We've already hit the one billion mark. Now the next point is to hit the two billion dollar mark um, and, a little bit, and a little bit over that which is what Avatar made throughout its, its entire run. Um, and also there's some smaller records like we have yet to have a, a billion dollar movie domestically. The Force Awakens came very close. It had, you know, 900 million-something. It came close to the 1 billion mark but domestically, but not quite over the top. I think we're probably going to get there with this. Um, especially this weekend, there's no competition, and I I know I definitely want to see it a second time, and a lot, there's lots of people who haven't seen it still. So
0: Sure, and you're right. Uh, we should not st- underestimate how many people are going to see it again. I mean, it's it, at three hours. Uh, Avengers Endgame is a difficult film to... Recollect. There's a lot there. I I just, just getting ready for the show, I was trying to get my thoughts together and I was like, good God, I'm having trouble remembering how the transition from the second act to the third, which is probably a fine time to transition into talking about it. So, uh, without further ado, Andy, you want to uh, take it away?
1: (laughs) Avengers Endgame.
0: Whatever it takes.
1: Okay so I'm gonna do my best with this synopsis. So we pick up in the the few weeks following the end of Infinity War where of course Thanos snaps his fingers and decimates half the population in the entire universe. Um, and I'm, I'm not gonna get again I'm gonna dance around a lot of plot, uh, plot points um, but we find our characters dealing with grief and loss. Real grief and real loss. And some of them are dealing with it better than others. Uh, some people are going to meetings. Some people are drinking a lot and playing lots of video games. Uh, so you get the entire spectrum. And they deal with grief in a very real way, which I think really helps the film. Um, eventually, into the second act, we we kind of discover a way not to undo things, but to make things right to correct what has already been done if you guessed it involves time travel you are correct but not how you might think because that's what I was thinking and I got what happened was much different than what I anticipated Um, so we get we set off on a new adventure with all our heroes that we know to correct what's been done and we meet a lot of familiar faces on the way and we have a lot of big battles with a lot of bad guys that we've seen before and that's the vaguest thing I'm gonna say about the plot,
0: man. Uh, well done. I think I think we're pretty good on spoilers. There's one thing in there that I thought might be a little a little dicey, but if I if I point it out, I feel like it will only make it worse. So let's talk about Avengers Endgame without spoilers. Golly. Uh, first things first, Andy. What did you think of, in the loosest of terms, Avengers Endgame?
1: You know, I'm a big film guy and big comic book guy. And I actually watched Infinity War just a couple of days before Endgame, and you know I kind of found some problems with it. It's a little too long, and there's a little, there's too much going on. There's too many kind of groups of people to follow. Um, So I was kind of expecting a little bit more of the same, and I was actually really blown away and really impressed with Endgame. It's a much better film than Infinity War, I think, and it, it it takes its loss seriously. It takes our heroes. How they deal with these things very seriously and then it also as as we kind of work to make things right We get this brilliant kind of uh, trip down Marvel Lane um, Which I'm not going to go in into too much more, but we get a lot of really great moments We get a lot of payoffs that are set up years ago in movies that came out three four five years ago and longer um, we get big, big set pieces, big battles. We get big payoffs. We get big comic book moments, which I harp on uh, all the time. Uh, I was really impressed, and I went to an I, I saw it opening night, and I saw it in a packed theater. And my theater went absolutely wild, tons of times. I mean, when Mar- when the Marvel logo started playing up people were yelling and clapping, you know, it was that kind of real rowdy theater. And then there were p- moments where people lost their minds. And this is absolutely an argument for the theater going experience. If ever there was one.
0: Right. And we should talk about that because uh me uh, being, being the antisocial cinephile that I am, how dare those neophytes <laughs> shout during my cinema experience. I, I demand Stein. silence and, and darkness. And yeah, no, no, uh, the theater experience is a lot of fun. We should talk about that. But as far as just a brief overview of, of my thoughts, uh, I had a lot of fun watching this movie. I, I remember watching Infinity War, and, and I have not watched Infinity War since it was in theaters, so we've, we're getting a good, interesting kind of uh, bird's-eye view here, but I remember watching Infinity War, and yeah, being kind of confused. There's a lot of characters to juggle, and there's a lot to keep up with, and this movie suffers that same problem, but in a much smaller scale, um, and it, it it works so much more effectively. You're, you're able to have so much more time Uh, with, with fewer characters. So you get to know them better. You get more personality, you get more big hero moments. It's what it's all about. Uh, And you get more of those page turn moments. And I want to talk about what that is and what that means. So I liked it. You liked it. Let's talk about the film. First things first, three hours, three acts. How does this movie break those up does it feel even because I'll be honest when, when I came out of it I, I had trouble figuring out where the first act starts and stops where the second act starts and stops um, it's long and it's fluid how did that feel to you
1: so it definitely the time didn't bother me I didn't even realize it was three hours like it really flew by which is a hard thing to do in, in a two-hour movie much less a three-hour movie um, the it, and it's broken up into three acts I, I would say you know three pre- pretty even thirds um, th- but what was really um, surprising to me and what I enjoyed is that the first probably half to two thirds is really about ca- our characters. It's about where they are, where how they're feeling, what they are struggling with, what they, you know, what isn't right, what they want to try. Like it's a character drama for half the film. It's it's incredible for something this large to spend that much time on developing characters. But that's also why the payoffs work so well. Is you really care about everyone involved
0: yeah I agree and and it only works uh, because not only do we care about what happens to them in this film but of what happened in Infinity War and the film before that and the film before that this movie really is the penultimate in a Marvel legacy that's been building for what 11 years or something I mean it's insane yeah
1: I mean 22 films 11 years Yes.
0: yeah and it all comes together it has so many callbacks to what came before not only in the last film but movies four or five films ago, 10 films ago. It's crazy. And and what I want to know is, did you think when these moments came up, when these big moments or exciting moments or funny moments or, or nostalgic or reminiscent, when these happened, did you feel like this was all a perfectly organized plot and plan? Or did you feel like this was the work of people who were fans, who have come together, who have said, hey, why don't we do a little tribute to that. What did you think? Is it all a master plan, or is it a little bit of a patchwork that makes a beautiful quilt?
1: I mean, I thought it, they struck a really good balance of giving, you know, giving the fans what they want, but also sticking to the rules of cinema and making a good film. Making, you know, a plot that makes sense and that you are interested in making building characters and relationships that you can relate to, or that you really care about. You know, it, it was like the anti-Star Wars, you know, I've been thinking a lot about Star Wars in comparison to this. And it's like, they can't put, I feel like Star Wars can't put three movies together or two movies or barely one movie together (laughs) these days. And they did a 22 film arc and wrapped it up really nicely. And without just giving you fan service, like wish fulfillment moments, like the, the th- cool things that happen are earned over a long period of time are they're set up they're developed and they're they're paid off it's not just like like i roll my eyes every time i see the blue milk and star wars star wars and i'm like oh god we got to make sure the fans see this just so they can say hey that was in in the original movie
0: you're just you're just jaded but yeah no i, I do the same <laughs> thing with the blue milk. and somehow that that doesn't happen in this one right Somehow you don't find yourself rolling your eyes after seeing these characters for so many films. That doesn't happen. Why?
1: Right. Like I said, because I think think they've treated it like real movies, and they they've stuck to the source material. You know, they get these characters in these situations from the comics, like it's already written there, as opposed to DC that tries to reinvent the wheel for uh, the movie.
0: Yeah, and and I think it also works because. Of those page turn moments, we should talk about that. The page turn moment. What well, I think we've we talked about it a couple times in the podcast, but for anybody tuning in for the first time, what does that mean? Y- you came up with this, please. Right, right. So when you're reading
1: a, a comic and you know you turn a page, usually towards the end, um, especially if it's like the end of a of a long series, and something incredible, ha- something incredible happens. Maybe it's a villain comes out of nowhere that you haven't seen or maybe a good guy all of a sudden that, you know, is in the universe, but, but hasn't kind of shown up before, um, happens or, you know, uh, you turn the page and there's an incredible piece of dialogue or there's just an incredible action scene. Uh, I'll do I'll give a couple of examples. Uh, so an older one is, uh, Batman being broken by Bane. Uh, so, you know, Bane lifts Batman over his head and then says, I will dot 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 you turn the page and it says break you and then he has he's breaking Batman's back over his knee you know that's an iconic page turn and so that's the kind of these these surprises I mean if you know that that's happening now it's nothing new a more recent one was in the couple years ago they decided that to put the Watchmen into the rest of the DC universe to be, be part of Batman Superman and all that. And I read that at that was a patron in the very last page of, of the rebirth issue. And it, I, it blew my mind, you know, cause Batman's here holding the, the comedian's watchman pin. And I was just like, wow. Oh my God. Like it, it meant so many things just by one page turn. And that's, that's what you want to see done in film in these movies. And a lot of times they're just not like, look at
0: DC. Right. It, it reminds me of that analogy uh, Tarantino t- tells for uh keeping suspense in a film, something Tarantino is very good at. Uh, He said suspense in a film is like drawing a rubber band, right? And drawing, holding a rubber band between your hands and just pulling it apart slowly and slowly and slowly. And the rubber band just keeps stretching and stretching and stretching. And eventually it's going to snap. And he said, good films, good suspense comes from when you get that rubber band stretched on screen as far as you can. And you just hold it and you just hold it there and you let the audience just hang on it for as long as possible before you snap it. And, and that's a lot like a good page turn moment. But a page turn involves a lot of nostalgia, whereas suspense is a whole lot of like, you know, oh, God, what's going to happen? A page turn is going to have a lot of, of complex plot and emotion tied up into it. It's going to have a lot of mystery and maybe murkiness, and somehow things suddenly become clear and maybe also at the same time get more complicated in a good page turn. And Avengers yeah. Endgame, man, is... Chalk freaking full of good (laughs) pages. There's there's like eight or something that I can think of off the top of my head, and I'm sure there's more good ones. Did you Did you feel that way, or was that just me?
1: Yeah, there's definitely a number of times when I mean, I I was super hype, and people in my theater were just screaming and yelling and crap and clapping just because it was what was happening was was so cool. But again. It, this it doesn't happen without planning and without setup. You can't just do something cool and it would be right. You you have to build up. And that's part of what's really incredible is that some of these things have been built up over years, over multiple films and things you may have just completely forgot about and then finally happen and then it's and and again things that you don't really think about or don't expect to happen because it's not really part of the main plot plot points.
0: Right. And and things that like I can't, I can't get over the callbacks. Like and, and we'll talk about it more in the next half here, but uh, moments, you know, from five or six years ago that like, I would, I would see something on screen and think like, wait a second, haven't I seen this before? Or like, isn't this, this reminds me of something, but I can't remember where I I, things, moments that I couldn't even place in particular Marvel films, but I remembered the scene. I remembered the line. I remembered this bit like it's, it's crazy effective. And like, it just, this movie spends a lot of time, at least in the like just just playing with that nostalgia, just you know, getting back in that sandbox, saying, "Hey, remember this?" But not in like a Star Wars blue melt kind of way, but like a very clever <laughs> way that I can't specifically talk about now. Way um, that sets right, you dude. up for a a a brilliant third act and a very satisfying uh, conclude, very emotional uh conclusion we should talk about that uh, along with the clapping lots of tears in my in my theater do you have that yeah
1: same here yeah same here lots of moments of, of people tearing up i i teared up a little bit yeah it's hard not to at a cu- couple moments yeah.
0: for sure uh i i christine never talks in theaters or, or anything and even in a couple points like she's over there like humming and squeaking and like oh man <laughs> it was it, it was it was great and i like i as much as I as I say I despise the theater going experience for a big movie like this, it really does help. Like it gives it so much more like hype and energy. Being in a room that's just just as electric uh, as 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 the film you're watching. And I thought it was so poignant. I don't know if you had this moment, but for me, the big claps, the big theatrical, everybody's excited and clapping. They they weren't at the climactic moment of the film. They were actually before. Like when you get to what, where I would think in the script the clapping would be, no. Nobody was clapping. It was silence because everybody in my theater was just glued to the screen. And, like, you can't buy passion like that for fans. Yeah. My God. <laughs> like, every every entertainment medium in the world wishes they could do that. And it was just a theater full of strangers just absolutely drawn on the floor. Could not believe what they're watching on screen. Incredible. Incredible. Like, it, what an accomplishment. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, it, and it's it. I find it's really hard to end things. Like third movies and trilogies are usually really bad, um, or they're just tying up loose ends. And they don't, you know, Return of the Jedi is the is the famous example of just like, well, we got to kind of wrap this up. We don't really know what else to do. Um, but they they put a bow on this in such a great way. They they pay homage to things that came before it. They you know the fans are are getting what wh- exactly what they want. And a lot of what you don't expect. And that's what and that's what we expect from filmmakers. Like, A filmmaker needs to come up with better ideas than I can on my own because that's their job. That's what they're paid to do. They, It's their job to be a better storyteller than I am in my head. And that's exactly what we got in this movie.
0: Yeah, and it works really well. Joe and Anthony Russo did a fantastic job directing. Uh, it's one of those things I, I watched and I thought to myself, how did they even bring this all together? How did this even all happen? And I still don't know. I, I don't know what kind of secret formula they had to cook up to make a movie like this work. But my God, does it work? It works in spades. And, and the box office shows it. People aren't just going to see it because it's the hot new movie. They're going to see it because it's good and they want to see it.
1: Yeah, it, it's amazing to me how much how much lore-free this has been. And actually, I mean, they haven't shown nothing of this movie. They have shown some really vague teasers. I remember the trailers for Infinity War when they came out, they were really great. Everyone like watched them a ton of times and they look really cool. They're really great trailers. And for this, it was like the opposite. It, all the footage was mostly flashbacks to the past 22 films and then you know there's a couple of of sequences of, of people like wa- of the group walking together, but that's it. Like you didn't get any details on plot or what you were going to see or what characters were going to look like. It was basically the anti-marketing. Um, that you just don't get used to seeing, and 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 again, what I what I meant by the mythology is that people don't, you know, five years ago, no one knew who Thanos was. It's not like Batman and Superman and Joker and these stories that everyone knows and their their backstories that people are comfortable and familiar with. they, they brought brand new characters, a brand new villain, which has been Marvel's struggle for for a long time. That everyone knows At now. Everyone knows who Thanos is. Everyone knows what the Infinity Stones are. You know. Several years ago, no one knew that, yeah, or cared, and now it's, you know, the the biggest film ever.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. In in five years, five years away from this film, uh, you could walk away from, you could walk down the street and say to a hundred people, hey, uh, do you know who Thanos is? and i guarantee you'll get a lot more answers of positivity than you would for like do you know who dark side is from dc's justice league i mean that's right it's, and to be fair justice league was like the first avengers film it's unrealistic but but at the same time look at loki for god's sake people know who he is like that that sticks they're, they're becoming ingrained yes. in culture in a way that is, is so fascinating and I know every other studio wants to figure out how they're doing it but yeah. Um, yeah, patience and hard work is how it gets done and it shows in this movie because this is the the pinnacle of all of it um, right. it's really incredible
1: uh, you ready to wrap up this half <laughs>
0: <laughs> just about uh, hold on a second uh, effects music thing, things that are cosmetic in the film any of that Jump out at you. I I was impressed by a handful of things. Uh, things I feel comfortable about talking from the trailer. Uh, obviously, the cool suits and the cool powers are all super slick, just like always. But the way they made uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s character look emaciated in, in scenes when he's on that ship in the trailer. Yeah, sure yeah. That stuff was nuts. And it's effective. It looks legit. I was like, man, he might have actually lost weight for this film. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he did or not, but um, man, it just... The, the 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 devotion to vfx i know it took 2 years after they shot this film to to put all this stuff together like it shows and like that passion comes through i hope those people got paid like they should
1: have <laughs> <laughs> yeah cuz
0: so much of that is the film and and the music is you know like like almost any marvel track forgettable but man that 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 avengers theme that's the only one you can hum I, out of any marvel film it's freaking was, absurd
1: yeah i was going to say the, the 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 scores to marvel films have not been anything real special. Um I can't tell you any of the things no, any of the No I characters, can't how many of them. Not a single one. But the one. but the Avengers theme everyone knows. Right. They have just, <laughs> just hammered used, it in. And it's used so well in this and like the first time it really builds up and and you and you hear it, man. It's just it's so great. It's yeah. so good.
0: All right. We're at the 30 minute mark. It's time to move on, I think. Uh that's that's well and good. So, uh we will get to Avengers spoilers in the next 10 minutes or so but we want to have a brief conversation about a little something else first uh, andy you want to take the reins on this one
1: it's time for the death of cinema so uh for death of cinema this week we're going to be talking about steven spielberg yeah <laughs>
0: steven spielberg <laughs>
1: And, uh, and the Academy at large. So um, Steven Spielberg had made a big noise about Netflix and the Oscars and wanted to change rules so Netflix wasn't just gaming the system, which they weren't gaming the system to begin with. They were following the rules that you laid out. Um, and then, of course, Spielberg went went on to endorse the competitor of Netflix, uh, Apple+. Plus. Yeah, he's on stage so-
0: with Tim Cook and Oprah advertising Apple+. Plus. That happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. So... Um, the Academy voted on rules, and they, they voted to keep everything the same. They will not be changing any of their entry rules um, to adjust to things Netflix may or may not have done. Um, so all that is staying this the same. And uh, Steven Spielberg, did he did kind of have a comment about this. He he backpedaled a little bit and said, you know, I, I really just value the theater-going experience, and I fear that we're losing that. And it's, you know, he, he walked it back a little bit. But it was still like you know outside of infinity war or the avengers end game and everything i've definitely had some pretty negative <laughs> theater going experiences mm. uh and there's something else i want to touch to touch on in, in a second involving foreign film but zach what do you think what do you think of it uh
0: i think w- when it comes to steven spielberg you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain and i hate to say that because he's steven freaking spielberg but like I, I Man, I don't get why he's so up in arms about this. I, I can't help but feel like this is some first-world director nonsense. To, to Steven Spielberg, the cinema experience is going to his private theater, right, and sitting in his own screening room with his own cushy chair and his fancy 9 millimeter projector or whatever he's got or his super-digital Bose surround sound whatever – to watch like the ultimate cinema experience at best if he's going to see theaters in public he's going to see them at probably very popular big theaters in Hollywood during the middle of the work day when nobody's around and he's going to see like nice quaint quiet experiences this is not the cinema experience for 90% of America it just isn't like he, he is living in a fantasy world if he thinks that's what going to the movies is like it isn't I went and saw, okay, fine example, Endgame, the row in front of me had a kid running around, literally up and down the aisles for the first half hour of the film. Seriously, that happened. Somebody <laughs> went and told the manager, manager didn't come do anything about it. That's that's the movies. They were like, well, it's, you know, they, I, I think the manager came and said something to him, and, and uh, okay, well, we'll sit down, and then, yeah, two minutes later, the kid's up and running around. I sat next to somebody who's hogging the armrest the whole time, and munching their popcorn <laughs> loud as all get out. That's going to the movies in America that's what we're dealing with. So I, I have a tough time when I can stay home and watch something with surround sound headphones on in the privacy of my own home. I have a tough time saying that somehow that's any worse than going to the movies, but this isn't just about that, right? He, 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 he sees it as a, an issue of being on the silver screen. He, he said, you shouldn't, these, these films Roma, right? Should not be available to be nominated for best picture because it was on screen for, a couple weeks in a few places which is fair It that you're not seeing a theatrical wide release that's true but it's not fair to say Roma is somehow less of a film for it that's unrealistic the medium in which you watch it does not qualify it as a film or not a film I think
1: no you're right you're absolutely right and and again, so he was complaining about, like, Netflix gaming the system, but Roma pe- played for 13 weeks, sometimes longer in t- certain places. So that that's that three-month window he's complaining about, you know? And many other films do exactly what he was accusing Netflix of, well, well, you just let it play for two weeks at the end of the year so it can be nominated for awards. That's what so many films do, and they'll come out in late December, and then they don't get a wide release until January, February. That is very common, Um, So, yeah, it was a complete double standard, and, you know, one of the things that Netflix does is they bring films to everyone with, with a decent connection. Not everyone has an art house. Not everyone has 10 theaters to choose from.
0: Yeah, and not everybody can afford AMC Stubbs Plus or whatever, and that's assuming you're buying a bargain rate and going to the theater regularly. People complain about the price of movies all the time, and yes, we can act like, oh, it's because of concessions, it's because they're buying popcorn, but... Netflix is what, $13 a month, whereas movies are usually, if you're going at any kind of prime time, $13 a ticket. I mean, it, it's no contest. Netflix is objectively cheaper. You're getting a, a stupid amount of content. You're not getting brand new movies, but guys, like, it is it is kind of a different thing, but that doesn't mean that movies that come out on Netflix aren't somehow movies. It speci- it's especially damning in light of Steven Spielberg supporting Apple Plus and saying that movies you get through Apple that you watch on your iPhone are somehow movies it doesn't make any sense uh, which i guess is why he's 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 backpedaling you know that's that's the whole angle that he's going to try to back out of it and say well no those are theatrical film whatever dude the point is like technology is marching forward and cinema has to march forward with that i don't think watching a movie on your phone is any it makes that movie any less of a movie all right i think it makes your experience less but that's up to you ultimately uh, if if, right, exactly. if you want to go see Roma in a theater, you could have done that. You could have sought that out. I wanted to go see uh, Peter Jackson's They Shall Not Grow Old, and I couldn't find a screening anywhere. Does that make it not a movie? No, it's just as much a movie as any other. Like I I have to seek it out. Sometimes you have to go out of your way. Sometimes it's not super easy, and sometimes it is. And people go with what they can get. So Steven Spielberg should uh, keep it under his hat and keep making. You know, I was going to say great movies, but it's been. A-
1: you while, made Ready so. Player One. We know. Yeah,
0: you did make Ready Player One, Spielberg. So <laughs> yes, I'll be going easy.
1: to see Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. But
0: <laughs> I'll be I'll um, be going to see one of your 15 year old films.
1: Yeah, well, and, and They Shall Not Grow Old is a perfect example of I we had, could not see that film because it only had a couple of screenings at like three in the afternoon on weird days. You know, if that had been on Netflix. Probably would have seen it by now. If
0: that had been a Netflix, we would have watched it for this show. I promise, because I actually really wanted to see that movie.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I couldn't. So the other thing I wanted to touch on that's from the same article about the Oscars is that they're changing the name of one of the categories from uh, Best Foreign Language Film to Best International Film.
0: Oh yeah, I heard about Uh, that.
1: Which will still have most of the same rules that you know it's it's basically for films that aren't aren't English speaking. Um, but yeah, it's, it's important uh, it's an important distinction to make that change as the word foreign language might is kind of having uh, some negative connotation. so they're wanting to go around that and call it international film. So I thought that was a very positive thing. Okay.
0: I, I had read somewhere that that would exclude things like uh, uh, well gosh, I don't know. I read, I read that excluded something. What am I thinking of here?
1: I mean, probably films from England, but we already exclude right most of those. Anyways. Yeah,
0: that doesn't include films from England. So what's the deal? Like you're not really changing anything by changing the name. So um, I don't know. I, it doesn't hurt, I guess. So I'm 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 down with it either way. Why don't we include films from England? By the way, for anybody listening, do you know?
1: Well, I mean, most of the most of them probably get American releases anyway, so they they would be considered, I think.
0: Right. Well, as long as as long as it's more than a week or two in a theater, according to Steven Spielberg, you punk. <laughs> is what it is anyway uh are we ready to to, to move on here i think we're moving on. all right well then with that being said for the first time on off script the home of bold cinema uh we are about to jump into spoilers for avengers endgame if you have listened thus far you've enjoyed the show please like subscribe share and tell your friends check out our website email us at mail at off and we'll see you next time on the show uh, is it worth telling them what we're gonna watch next time i guess now is a fine time right Sure. We'll, we'll, we'll recap it at the end in case you're not really listening. Uh, but next week, we're going to be watching The Long Shot, the new Charlize Theron uh, Seth Rogen picture. And we're going to take a look at a Netflix film that actually just came out on the day of this recording Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile, starring Zach Efron as Ted Bundy. Uh, I'm so split on whether or not I want to see that film. <laughs>
1: You know, I will boldly say that I did not yeah, want. You do to, not want but, to see it. <laughs> but cinema beckons and so right. I shall answer the call. It'll be it'll <laughs> be a film and
0: we'll talk about it next week. So if you want to know what we think, uh, keep it here on Off Script, subscribe to the show. Uh, that being said, now's the time. Now now is when you turn off your podcast, dump out now. It, this is it. We're getting into spoilers. And it's given like 3 seconds of silence and here we go. Okay, that's enough. Andy, <laughs> uh, I suppose now we should divulge the entire plot of uh, Avengers Endgame. Let's let's recap for anybody who doesn't quite remember. You want to take this one, or should I?
1: Sure, sure. Um, so I'll expand. So we pick up uh, again after the the snap, and uh, our Avengers are kind of half of what they were. They're dejected. They. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna kind of skip forward in the first act, but. Basically, we we get Thor, who is really overweight and an alcoholic, and plays video games, and just he kind of he looks like the dude from the Big Lebowski's referred to as such. Well, it's
0: been I, I think uh, you mentioned it in the in the opening, but it's been five years.
1: Yes, at this point, it's it's five years after, and it's uh the grief is is real, and people are telling are it's taking this toll on you know we it's a, we live in a society where <laughs> there that you know. The, memorials to to the people that are gone are up uh you know it's half half the population is is around and kind of just dealing with it in not so positive ways for the most part um sorry i'm getting into the weeds but eventually scott lang the ant-man uh he comes back from the quantum realm having only been gone about five hours but it's five years later um and He eventually meets with Tony Stark. They realize that they can travel through time, but not like in Back to the Future, or you can't undo what's been done, but you can correct things moving forward, which I thought was a very important distinction. And so they set off on this quest to recover the Infinity Stones through time and get them all and to undo what's been done, bring people back uh, at the present timeline um so there's a whole lot going on and that's really cool and complicated but not too complicated i was able to follow it uh really well and then we eventually this brings some conflict with thanos from an earlier timeline so we still have to fight him in the present and that sets up some really great set pieces um I'm not sure how much more I need need to get into Zach. Well, it's a, it's a
0: spoiler conversation, but yeah, sure. I think people understand where it's coming. Ultimately, Thanos and the Avengers face off again right at the big penultimate moment. Uh, everybody who was dusted in the previous film comes back. Uh, we're on our way. We have a big epic fight. The Avengers, Thanos, rues the day he ever crossed the Avengers, and and the universe is righted once again. A uh, lot of frankly plot holes. <laughs> a lot of plot holes in this movie. Oh, I didn't think there were. But it TV. doesn't but it didn't matter. And it's incredible right, right. that I, I can I can say that about a film that there were a ton of plot holes and I didn't care about any of them. And the reason that is is because somehow Avengers Endgame feels more like a comic book movie than arguably any comic book movie I've ever seen. It's hyper yes. it's hyper stylized almost in the way of something like Kick-Ass or Sin City or 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 Dick Tracy. And it's in the best way because it feels like you're reading a freaking comic. It feels like the amalgamation of all these characters that you're kind of familiar with, but you don't really know where they're at because you get this five-year leap and everybody's a little different, but not quite the same. Uh, Thor's a big guy with PTSD. Hulk is now Bruce Banner. Professor Hulk. Professor Hulk, yeah. Iron Man has a daughter, which is crazy. Captain America still has nothing in his life. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, Hawkeye has become Ronan. All of the Avengers have moved on. But they're just familiar enough that we can hang on to who they are and who they were and, and continue forward. Except for Scott Lang, of course, who has not changed at all, which is, is oddly charming.
1: Uh-huh. What did you think of that?
0: <laughs> all of the Avengers are now different versions of themselves. How did that work for you?
1: I think this worked really well because, like I said in the first half, they take the idea of grief and loss very seriously. Like These people are gone, essentially dead, and have been for years, and some people just can't deal with it or some people are, are dealing with it uh differently and i i was i was again surprised that they took it this seriously i i figured my uh theory was that they were going to take the time stone to just undo wind it back undo everything that's been done fight thanos again and, and beat him this time you know i that, that would have been really unsatisfying but they don't you have to move forward and it's uh you know scarlet not scarlet which Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, she's kind of you know one one of the people in charge of what's left of the Avengers, and you know you can tell like she does this job just because she doesn't know anything else, but it's 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 eating her inside as much as any other character.
0: Right, uh, looking at the world after the snap, uh, five years later was a big surprise. Uh, done phenomenally well because the film opens up with about 20, 12 days or twenty one days, I think twelve days following the events of Infinity War. Uh they ice Thanos and then they they don't know what to do, and then you get this great cut to black and then the, the, the word five shows up and it hangs just long enough for you to go, wait, surely it's not, and then years later. Um really good stuff. They they kind of ignore all of the positives of what Thanos was trying to do. Uh, the <laughs> Thanos did nothing wrong, subreddit I think would be fairly disappointed because the world is no better than than, than it was. Um which was an odd spot. I, I honestly kind of hope they might play that a little bit more and, and say, yeah, actually, the economy is crushing it. <laughs> we have more food and space. Uh, CO2 levels are down. They do mention it at one point uh, with with Captain America talking to uh, uh, Black Widow's character. Uh, and she says, are you, are you trying to get me to see the silver lining in this? And he's like, no, I just, you know... <laughs> <laughs> the, world, the world's you not know, that bad, but, but uh, they have to right the wrong. They they have to fix what happened, of course. Like, they're the Avengers. Right, right. Like, it's time to avenge. That that makes sense to me. Um, Tony Stark is very upset with them. Thor wants pretty much nothing to do with them. Br- Bruce Banner has become a, a social media icon. <laughs> Uh, yeah. But I, I didn't mind that it didn't again. It didn't feel too out of place because ultimately these characters are not that different than who they were. These characters we've come to know and love. They're just they're just different enough, and that makes it feel fresh and engaging and new to go on a time heist with these characters. So let's talk about the time heist. What do you what do you, what do you think? Right. Time heisting. So real quick, uh, there's a lot of references
1: to other films, and time heist I think is one of them because that's I believe a reference to Inception, right? Because that's part of what happens in that movie they call it the track is called time heist um there there's also a reference to raiders there are
0: and they end up rattling off a list of probably a dozen maybe more time related films Just in the film, I think somebody just says them all at once, just rattles them all off. Outside of Back to the Future was mentioned about four times. And the reason they do this is to explain how time travel works in Avengers Endgame. And they explain that it's not like any other time travel you've ever seen before, which is clever and still leaves plot holes, I think, but works because, again, you don't care. You're just excited about the time heist and the Avengers getting together to save the world.
1: Just did along for the ride. So so to get more specific, the time heist is they're going to go back in time to several timelines where they know the stones were and get them, use them, but then they have to put them back. You can't just leave it out. right? Because, I don't know, it'll break the universe. Something right. like see, that. Right, that, see, there's one of uh, the plot holes I was talking about. <laughs> Well, because they said, you know, then you'll create multiple branches or something like that. Right. Anyways, not not important. I mean, time travel itself is paradoxical no matter which you way you slice it. You do no matter it, what, so. yeah. But yeah, so the, but they, they, cre- they say we're going to go back in time and they split into three groups. And so what ends up happening is we get, like I said in the first half, we get a trip down Marvel Lane where we visit old films or old settings and old characters and we get really touching moments and, and kind of... Uh, get to review certain relationships And this is very much what happens in comics Like time travel happens all the time And but it's about the Relationships that you get to see there's a really Touching moment when Thor gets to See his mother and he gets This is where he gets one of the stones but he also He knows this is the day that his mother is going to die And he gets to talk to her one last Time before Having to go back to the, the present and that's That's a lot of what um, Like I said you would read In, in a comic book and it's a really clever um, you know setup for what is the second act of the film and and it really works, at least for and me. And it's a
0: really cool opportunity to walk people back through what came before and they did a great job of it because they recast like everybody, everybody they could get to get be to, to be in this film. Uh, Thor's mother Renee Russo and his crush at the time he goes back to Natalie Portman are both in this film. They didn't CGI them in, they're there. Uh, John Slattery, Tony Stark's father is in this film. He's got a whole scene with lines like, uh, Captain America's boo, Peggy. I I don't actually know who plays her. She is in this movie. Like they got everybody back. It's crazy. And I don't know if that's clever contracting or just paying the right people, but, um, it totally works because it feels so genuine. It's not hidden. It's not phoned in. Nope. We went and got them and put them in costume. They are here as the characters, we're back, you know, and it works. They go back to New York in 2012 for the first Avengers film, and we have scenes in New York with things going on. It's like, wow, I remember this. Loki is there. The Tesseract is there. Uh, they, they follow up almost like Back to the Future 2 on scenes that happened, and you get Iron Man running around uh, right after the events of, of uh, uh the fallout in New York in, in, in the first Avengers film. It's really cool and you get to see it from an angle you hadn't seen it before and kind of see more storytelling and from where that goes. Really impressive stuff. And it felt natural. It didn't feel jammed in or forced. It felt like okay, no, this is totally a natural the natural way things would go. Like it's a really it's really well done time travel across the saga.
1: Yeah, and and one of the things that this movie accomplishes which I don't think any comic book movie even something like The Dark Knight is it fully has brought cinema and comics together as one kind of entity because we've slowly we've had loads of movies based on comic books but that leave a lot of things out, things like time travel, things like aliens, things like gods because they're just like they're kind of too weird for people, but Marvel slowly has introduced these elements and they bring them all together in this and this feels like the big epics you would read. If you read something like Final Crisis or Crisis on, on Infinite Earths, um, these are the kind of you know time travel, gods, men, aliens, space travel, all coming together in one big thing. And it's it's normal; people are okay with it. And I it I think for a long time, pe- film was af- afraid to kind of introduce those elements, and we finally have those on screen
0: in in an incredible way. So let's let's move ahead. Thanos finds out what the Avengers are doing, specifically 2014 Thanos, when two of our characters, uh, three of our characters, uh, head back to the beginning of guardians of the galaxy, the opening scene in that film to steal one of the stones. I forget, I forget which one is back there. Uh, And Thanos finds out through Nebula that essentially there is an alternate version of Nebula running around. He goes and tracks her down and swaps her out for the real Nebula. And that's how our antagonist stumbles onto the protagonist plot to stop him and moves forward from there. And he's brought through to time uh, to where they are for the big fight. That felt clumsy to me. I felt like that felt a little, a a little, a little, you know, a, a little disjointed, but it's like you said. It's a time travel thing. It's all going to be paradoxical. Like, and if you read too far into it, it's not going to work. And ultimately, the movie, I feel like knows that. I feel like that they knew when they were making it. This doesn't really make sense, but they just truck right on through it. And you don't care because two scenes later, you're on to the next. Like you got to keep up. It doesn't matter. Like it just just roll with it. You're along for the ride. And I think that works really well. I'm really I'm really impressed by the way they did that. What would you think?
1: Yeah, you you had to just very brief. You had to have some excuse for to bring our antagonists back into the fold because like you said we i mean thanos actually gets killed in the first like 15 minutes of the film uh which really surprised me and a lot of other people they are like oh well i don't know what we're gonna do now they just killed the bad guy um so when you know bringing him back later from one of the earlier timelines it you know this is what all heist movies have to have that you have a plan and then the plan goes wrong Mm -hmm and this is kind of where that moment i i didn't mind again i've seen some articles about oh this this ruined the ending that ruined the ending or this like they break their own it's i mean it's time travel it's, i'm like it's not real <laughs> right. so don't uh, don't try to apply real logic to it right um but it uh, i didn't mind that and i like that because i knew that we were going to have to face off against uh him again And we do, but then we also have to face off against some of his henchmen, which were uh, killed in in Infinity War.
0: In the case of the Soul Stone, you have to face off against each other. And I want to talk about that, the (laughs) Hawkeye-Black Widow connection. Uh, Explain for the good folks at home who've probably already seen it, if they've listened this far through, uh, what did you think of that?
1: Right, so we we pick up with... uh... Hawkeye whose family has been uh dusted as we're we're calling it and <laughs> as I'm calling w- it yeah. <laughs> like yeah as I'm calling Asht. it five years and five five years later he's uh he's kind of psychotic he's just like Roni's just like slaughtering cartels and bad guys like he's kind of turned into the punisher right like I
0: don't I don't know what it is to be a hero in this world you know um yeah, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of cool and they don't spend much time on it cuz it's a 3 hour film and they can't
1: yeah um, but at, at the soul stone, as we learned in the first film, you, it, it takes sacrifice, a soul for a soul. Um, and so when they realize, our characters realize this black widow and, uh, Hawkeye kind of vie to see who's going to throw themselves off the, uh, off the edge. And, uh, in the end it, it's black widow who, uh, who dies so they can retrieve the soul stone. Um, th- this was an inter- interesting, plot point I, I really liked it I, I, I wasn't sure who was going to go down there I, I really thought it should have been Hawkeye honestly but uh, but I, I'm glad that I, I didn't predict it
0: I, I liked that it wasn't Hawkeye and and I, this is a divisive opinion because everybody I've told it to told me I'm an idiot but hear me out uh, I, the whole idea with the Soul Stone right is you have to sacrifice uh, something you love and you can, you can say well Hawkeye loves Black Widow yeah sure but he didn't marry her and have kids he did that with his wife Like, obviously, there's somebody in his life that Hawkeye holds dear, frankly, more dear than Black Widow, like he just does. But Black Widow doesn't have that. That's why I thought it worked so well. That's what I really liked about it, because she had to sacrifice herself in order for it to work. I I and that that was kind of my logic when I was watching the scene. I was like, if Hawkeye does it, it may not even work. For all I know, like yeah, I'm sure he 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 loves her in in a way, in a platonic way. Christine disagreed. She said, no no no, it's just something you love. I'm like, no, I I I, I thought it was something you love most. If I recall correctly, that's why Thanos had to do Gamora in Infinity War because it had to be the person you hold most dear. And for Hawkeye. That's not Black Widow, but for Black Widow, right. it could very easily be Hawkeye. Assuming you're I do putting aside the two thousand yeah. uh, the, the the Avengers two weird Hulk romance relationship thing with Black Widow, <laughs> it just never panned yeah. out. Um, and, and I like that. I, I thought that the 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 rush to the edge was was hokey when the third or fourth reason they stopped. <laughs> I was like, oh no, okay, all right, this is this is enough. But it, it paid well, off and it worked, and it was hokey in, in a way. The comic book movie, damn it, needs to be hokey.
1: Yeah, I I actually I've heard that the same argument that you just gave. I heard an, on a podcast today saying, well, he has a family and then she doesn't. And I don't and I don't think it's what you love most. It's just something that you love. Right. Um so yeah, but that that's an interesting thing. Uh, you know, there's arguments both both ways. Uh my argument is that he's kind of become too corrupted to uh to earn the soul stone at this point. Right. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it worked and it was good to kind of revisit that because that was the other thing is, is that it would have been cheap if they could just use a time stone to undo everything, and which is what I thought was going to happen. So there's still some permanence in death, even with time travel in this f- film series. Kind
0: of <laughs> kind of uh, because and, and we don't really have an answer for this at the end of the movie, but uh, this does present it's worth talking about time travel into this universe. And that gives you a lot of possibilities. And I know it's like, well, we can't have time travel at every movie now. Sure. But just like the time turner in Harry Potter three, right? Like it's going to kind of leave questions in, in every kid's mind that saw this movie that watches Marvel movies from here on out. They're going to wonder, wait, wait, why can't you just go back and do this? Why can't you just you have pin, you have, you have exactly. Pym particles? Why can't you go back? I don't know. This is one of the many things that leaves me hungry for more Marvel films after this, because this does a great job of leaving you just hungry enough for more. I don't know how they're gonna fix that, and I can't wait to see the next movie to find out, because <laughs> I don't know I don't know right. what they're gonna do. Maybe they just act like it was never a thing and never bring it up again. But it's hard to ignore, uh, with the presence of Pym particles and Hank Pym and the ability to go back in time and get more, because they do it in this movie, it's difficult to say that's never going to happen again, and, and it's difficult to say, well, why couldn't you bring a character back? And maybe you can. Maybe right. that will give Marvel the opportunity to bring somebody back later, to bring that nostalgia back and say, oh my God, they're back. It happened. They did it. You know, I, I don't know. That might happen, but I guess we'll just have to... I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah, yeah you can't
1: overplay that. Otherwise, it turns right. into... They were never, no one's ever really gone. No one's ever really gone. (laughs) Uh, And
0: I, 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 the reason I say black widow and her, in her case may not ever really be gone is because the last person that was chucked off uh, the the, the cliff for a soul stone is not gone. So who's to say she is. And I don't really have a good answer for that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, other than if you just, if you solve every problem with time travel, that gets real boring. Right. Real quick. So the, they'll come up with some thing they're like, oh, it's it's too dangerous or it's too unstable or like we can only do it in if another Thanos, sure. if Thanos two com, comes around, like they'll they'll come with excuses right they, it. And, it, and that gets boring. I don't want to see that every film either. Yeah.
0: I, I agree. Um but you know, I'm interested to see what they can they can do with that. Uh I, I know a lot of these actors, their contracts were up. I also know a lot of them. Are very passionate about Marvel what I'm saying is uh, I, I I want I want Tony Stark back that's what I'm saying <laughs> it's fine but we all uh, let's let's move forward here so we get to uh, having all of the infinity stones it is thrown into an Iron Man gauntlet they decide who's gonna wield it uh, ultimately the the job falls to uh, science Hulk uh, um, and 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 things things go awry from there wouldn't you say?
1: well I mean they go they go well but then there's still problems so uh, yes uh, the Hulk snaps the the gauntlet and brings everyone back that's kind of a that he can at that point point. Um, and then this is where we get a great scene where um, you know Cap is about to face off against the horde of, of Thanos army and all of a sudden everyone comes back uh, you know a thousand time portals or like uh, Doctor Strange portals open up and everyone and their mother walks through and we get this big you know what you would normally see on the front of a big cover um, you know this this massive army against this massive army of comic book book heroes it's a really great moment in the film
0: really incredible and, and it's, it's preceded immediately by a small skirmish with Thanos with our three original Avengers Hulk uh, or Hulk uh, Iron Man Captain America and Thor and that's where you get the biggest claps I got in my theater. Uh, Same. <laughs> the the Captain America picking up Thor's hammer, which was, uh, oh my god, the hype.
1: <laughs> I I, lo- I lost my mind. I think I, I think the the theater everyone around me lost their mind. I minds think I, too. I think
0: I blacked out for a second.
1: <laughs> I don't. Well, what was what, so interesting? This is so set up so well. So, you know, they're fight they're fighting Thanos. He's kicking their ass and you know uh thor gets pinned and then he kind of sticks out his hand and then you see the hammer start moving and so you're like oh he's going to get the hammer he's going to hit hit Thanos with it so it starts moving and then cap and then it goes to cap and you like it's so unexpected and the, the funny thing is this was set up in avengers uh, 2 they a, age of ultron there's this whole gag about everyone trying to lift the hammer and no one can move it except the cap, cap moves it just a just little bit he wheels, nudges it yeah. He nudges it, and like, and then it's forgotten about for five years. It's never brought up again. It, the whole payoff in that film is actually Vision picking up the hammer, and everyone's like, oh, my God. Right. And he only p- picks it up casually to give it to Thor. Uh-huh.
0: Um, which was a really, I mean, just another fine example of how Marvel will inject personality into their fights, like crossover of powers, which happens multiple times in this film. There's a, there's a scene, I think in that same fight, uh, Iron Man asks, asks Thor to, to hit him with lightning and he does, and he gets this super cool six power arm booster thing that f- yeah. tries to fry Thanos, like just really clever. And like, that's the, st- that's the kind of stuff that like comic books are really good at is, is being inventive with the material and like, okay, well, this guy has this powers and they, they have this powers. Let's combine them. And what happens? How does that work? What does it look like? Um, that comes across in this movie multiple times, and it's very effective every time. It's very convincing. You're very. It's a very natural conclusion. Uh, DC movies really yeah. struggle with that.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say the group fights have been very good. Like, the, it's the team working together. It's using each other's powers in conjunction against the bad guy. And again, in DC, everyone is really just stalling until Superman shows up. Uh huh. They don't really work together very well.
0: And speaking of Superman showing up, we can't talk about the big collective of everybody coming back together without our Captain Marvel, who is absent That's for right. 90% of this film. Uh, another another thing that felt a little clumsy. She's got really no good reason to be gone. But it, it you forget, again, like it, it moves so fast, you kind of don't even think about her. You're just like, okay, yeah, she's off doing her own thing, but she comes back, and she puts the smackdown on Thanos in the best way, but she can't do it all. Uh, we need the the might of all of the Avengers together, right? The whole Marvel crew, which is incredible, and leads to an epic payoff of one final gauntlet putting on when they get it away from Thanos and, 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 and get it on Iron Man. Uh, Andy, what did you think of this uh, denouement of character?
1: Um, it, it was really incredible. So when... Uh captain Marvel finally shows back up you know I was afraid they were gonna overuse her and she was just gonna be op and, and kill Thanos herself and it was gonna be really boring and they didn't do that they really limited they were really reserved in using her character and and she comes in at essential moments uh, she ends up taking the full might of the power stone which was really incredible um, and and again you know she's a, a symbol symbol of feminism and strong women and we get a great montage where all basically all the big female, Heroes are all kind of lined up together, and there's a big camera swing. Uh, it's really cool. You see Pepper Potts in her um, Iron Man suit. Uh, like I said, the, the scene where everyone comes out was re- really incredible. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Uh,
0: well, I was just gonna say uh, Iron Man is my favorite character, of course, in the Marvel series. Uh, it 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 was tough to watch. It just, I mean, it just is. Uh, there were people in the theater like you. It's tough. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of people really struggled with watching that. And it it was so well put together because you kind of knew, you know, when it happened, you're like, he's not walking out of this one. This this is it. Um, the the death scene was was well put together. Um, I I got a, I, I got a, I got a small problem with it that people will think I'm petty for, but I want I want to hear what you think about it before I get into it. Yeah, what's that? Okay, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, yeah. uh, in a scene she didn't earn. <laughs> having to having to bear the brunt of the tony stark death i'm like you didn't you didn't even want to be in these movies <laughs> <laughs> you you were very vocal about not wanting to be in these movies uh you you ducked a couple of them because you didn't want to be in them you wanted to do your stupid thing and now we get the cool tom holland uh you know oh god no it's it's, it's all falling apart and then she swoops in uh, uh for a it's okay it's okay uh you know it's 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 and it worked out and it pays off and it it goes well but um man uh just just a tough scene to watch and i'm looking for any reason to critique it because i i'm I'm bummed and i'm I'm sore about it emotionally so excuse me
1: yeah well and that's that's one of the reasons why because initially tony does not want to help them out he's like you know we were lucky we survived i've uh you know i've I have a family now. I don't, I don't want to don the suit. I don't want to go after anything. Like I could lose what I have, but then he, he's the loss of Tom Holland, who was like his surrogate son, uh, really weighs heavily on him. And then it's really tragic that, you know, he gets brought back and then, he has to then watch Tony die. That's it's a it's a juxtaposition of that whole relationship. And it's really touching.
0: Yeah, it really is. It's it's very effective. Uh lots of callbacks. John Favreau is back, uh uh as as I forget his character's name. Uh they, they they bring back the proof that Tony Stark has a heart thing, his final line, I am Iron Man. Um
1: it, it's You know, I totally didn't understand what he said. I just heard him say like, I, uh, uh, and then I didn't, I was like, wait, what did he say? I am Iron Man <laughs> is what
0: he said, yes. Uh, um, a, very, a very perfectly Tony Stark line, uh, finding finding a lack of selflessness in this moment. <laughs> he, we didn't get a we are Groot from from Tony Stark. We got I am Iron yeah. Man, and good for him, by God, He's, he, he deserves it. Um, a really incredible funeral scene. Uh, for Tony that I thought was very well reflected in the Black Widow scene that they they, they make it clear like this is it for this character they're not coming back you know like this is this is as far as we come with them Uh, they got almost every Marvel character I can think of for that scene uh, in a really cool long one-shot thing I heard some people say it was green screen I don't know for sure I don't care um, they even got yeah, it was great. They even got a, a kid standing in the back alone. We we had to look it up because we didn't know. Uh, the kid from Iron Man three, uh, the little blonde kid is featured uh-huh. in that scene. Uh, as 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 older now, and it's it implies that Tony kind of kept up with him. And um, really cool, really touching, like a, a really a really incredible send, arguably the best send off so far for a uh, Marvel character in in the cinematic universe, and, and really effective, but. Not the final send-off for a Marvel character. We have one more, uh, of course, before the movie is over. Uh, do you want to talk about that?
1: Oh, uh, are you talking about Cap?
0: Uh, I'm talking about Cap. Yeah.
1: So we end with uh, Cap. Uh, he goes back in time to... Put all the Infinity Stones back, and then um, kind of just chooses to stay in nineteen forties, fifties America, and live his life with Peggy Carter. And when we see him just moments later, he is an old man, um, you know, ready to ready to die and ready to pass on his like the mantle, which is he passes on to Falcon, Anthony Mackie's character. So he will be the next Captain America. Um, I thought it was a really touching scene. I, I knew, I figured both of these characters were going to die, like uh, Captain America and and Iron Man, and so they handle Captain America differently. They, he steps down, he's old, he's done being that. Um, and pass the torch in a really poetic way.
0: Right. I, I, I was a little frustrated by this. Uh, uh, I, I, I kind of wish Tony Stark had been given a, a, a similar opportunity. I, I, I get he didn't get to I, I don't know. I, I was frustrated just because I like one character over the other. Really, it's personal. But um, I, I ultimately, the only thing that bothered me about that scene was I thought the whole rule with the time travel thing was you didn't go back to a timeline. Like, you jumped to different ones, right? But, like, somehow yeah. for the convenience of this scene, that's not true. I, I was reading online, some people are saying, no, no, he time traveled one more time to get back to their timeline. I'm like, I don't know. Like, it, 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 it's vague in a way that kind of doesn't matter, but. Um, it's still a fitting send off for the know, character. It still functions perfectly. And it feels very like poetic in the way it's done. And it, it leaves me excited for what's next.
1: Right. You know, someone pointed out to me, like if, if you don't notice the plot hole while you're watching the movie, it's not really a plot hole.
0: Yeah, but I noticed. <laughs> no, it,
1: I didn't, oh, I didn't. And it, it be because it's like the end is the purpose. The purpose right. is for, is that he got to spend, finally spend time. Cause that's reflected through all the movies, like him like he is in love with that woman through the the entire series, sure. um, and yeah, it gets to to pay off. So I, <clears throat> I thought it was great. It's a good and it get and it gets me excited for you know the next series. And that's what what happens in in, in comics. We we pass the mantle. Someone else beca- takes up the you know, the shield or the whatever to be- become the hero. Someone else will become Iron Man. Someone else will become Thor.
0: So let's talk about that because they've got, they've got some places to go uh, in, in, in the Marvel universe here. This is supposed to be the end of kind of the sci- or almost the end. Technically Spider-Man homecoming will be the last film in this kind of era of Marvel. That's what they've said. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do in that movie. I really don't. I, I I don't know what to expect. Uh, it will probably be very kind of sing- singled off, but I assume there's going to be a lot of struggling with the passing of Iron Man. If I had to guess, uh, uh, looking at a set photo that came out the other day, I would imagine our, our young Peter Parker is probably going to take a shine to Mr. Mysterio, right? Jake Gyllenhaal's character. He's smart, and he's right, got yeah. cool tech, and like he's kind of a Tony Stark-esque character, and like I think there's uh, real potential for personal growth there. After that, I have I have no clue, man. <laughs> they haven't... Well, Go ahead.
1: A lot of the characters that we've met in the last couple of years will be part of Phase 4 and 5 and will have their own movies or like new, be a new Avengers team. Uh, people like Black Panther, Captain Marvel, Captain Marvel yeah. Ant-Man. These people that we've just met for the first time, um, they'll, they'll be the next kind of wave. And I mean, a lot of things haven't been announced only cause they, they're under wraps, but they're definitely still working on some things. We know that there's a series called the Eternals, which is going to be a, I think maybe a trilogy. I don't know anything about them, uh-huh. but that's, I know that's part of phase four as well. Supposedly the black um, widow
0: movie is still happening.
1: Yeah. And there's also the series. There's a couple of Disney series that, that which are actually set up in this movie. Um, the, the Loki's th- series uh, on Disney Plus is going to be a thing, and then uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision have a series on Disney Plus, and they will be played by the actual actors. Right. Um, uh, so those are those are set up as I well. I think
0: a- Anthony Mackie and uh, Falcon and and Winter Soldier is supposed to have a series. Um. Yeah. Which seems really cool. Now that Falcon has has kind of taken the mantle as Captain America, I think there's a really lot of potential for something to happen there. Um. I yeah. I, somehow I've walked away from this movie more excited about what's next for Marvel than I have. I think any other film, including Infinity War. Like I'm I'm so stoked for what's what's next in the Marvel universe. And like if that's not a resounding success uh for a for the twenty third film in a saga, I don't know what is. Um it's incredible. There's there I there hasn't been anything like it in film before. Truly incredible.
1: Right. And we've seen nothing but failures and at those trying to imitate it. Yep you know star star wars the dark universe dc like they're all falling on their faces pretty much Mm
0: -hmm. uh some questions i have and i know i know this is running long but damn it i'm enjoying the conversation some questions i have uh a is gamora still alive in the world of marvel movies yes you think she is i think she wasn't she wasn't featured in that final scene with the guardians uh, the theory, of course, is that when Iron Man did the snap to, 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 to Ash Thanos, uh, she went with him. But we don't know. I think that would have been present in Peter Quill's character, right? Uh, he would That would have yeah. been more obvious. Just because she wasn't in that scene, I think it was intentionally left vague. But I don't think we're going to be shocked by anything. Uh, Vision is more than likely not around. But yeah. they're getting a series, so maybe... Maybe it's a prequel series. I I don't know. Do you have any?
1: Right. Yeah, I mean, that's what I would speculate. It would have to be something like that. Uh, But yeah, those characters, I think, are gone. Uh, Gamora, I think, could still be, and I think that might be the plot of uh, Guardians 3, or as Guardians of the Galaxy, as they so cleverly put it.
0: Right. I'm I'm very excited by uh, where some of the other Avengers are left. Captain America and Tony Stark are obviously a bummer. Um, but, uh, I, I dig the science Hulk thing. I think since getting toasted by the, uh, by the infinity gauntlet, he's going to be much more reserved, much more calm. And we're going to have almost like, almost like old man, uh, Bruce Wayne from the Batman beyond series to jump over to DC. Yeah. For a second. That's what I see Hulk being just kind of like old man, quiet Hulk doing his own, you know, Hey, he's there, he's there to do science stuff and maybe he'll help Ant-Man do science things. I don't know. and, and uh Thor I'm actually probably the most excited about to see what happens with him I I definitely would not have thought uh man I can't wait to see what Chris Hemsworth does next in the Marvel universe but somehow sticking mm-hmm. Thor with the Guardians of the Galaxy seems so perfect like oh my god absolutely how did we yeah. not figure it out before like that's that's going to be a brilliant film if, if if Thor Ragnarok worked with Thor and Hulk on an alien planet like why wouldn't Thor and Guardians work like that sounds perfect
1: exactly any any others I'm uh, not thinking of <laughs> No, I, I think that that's everyone. That that being said, I think we, you know, Chris Hemsworth. I don't think he's going to play Thor forever. I think we we might get another movie or two out of him, and then he too will, you know, pass the torch to someone else. I agree.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think he'll be there forever. But um, man, I'm I'm so excited to see what comes next. Uh, Tom Holland, Black Panther, Captain Marvel, all really strong characters. All, all I think are are, are going to be really perfect for 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 continuing this this saga. So yeah
1: yeah exactly <laughs> exactly sorry i'm 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 just about out of I steam. know i'm
0: I'm running out of steam yes. too I'm I'm about gas. So uh with that being said, uh spoiler talk on off script before we get to that though uh, now sorry before we get to talking about spoilers on off script, uh, Andy, would you recommend Avengers endgame?
1: absolutely this is one of the this is probably the biggest film of the year maybe the biggest film of all time up until now it's the culmination of 22 films and 11 years of filmmaking um it's a really incredible feat and even if you're not a fan of comic book movies um it you still have to respect what they did and how they didn't screw it up how they never had a production delay they hit all their times or all their release dates they didn't have actors quit they didn't have people back out it's the same cast over this series of films for eleven years, all, except for Roddy, but that doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> not, to Terrence Howard, it matters.
1: Yeah, um, uh, I'm, I'm sure he's uh, ruining, uh, regretting that every day. Oh
0: God, uh, I I would absolutely recommend this as well. Two thumbs way up. Do not walk, run to the theater. I'll I'll, I'll go a step further. I, I know on this show we're all about bold cinema, but I will be greatly disappointed if i see this movie uh, underrepresented at this year's academy awards because how can i say this isn't a great film
1: <laughs> yes it i mean if black panther was nominated for best picture this i, I believe this i don't think it'll win but it, it it deserves to be recognized at the highest levels for the accomplishments that it's made
0: like i said i, I maybe maybe it's because of what came before uh, um but i i If you could bottle, like, the energy that was in that theater on opening night, like, if you could take that and you could sell it as a feeling, people would pay any price for it. Like, and I I can't remember the last time a film did that to so many people across the globe. It's incredible. Like, there's nothing like that. I don't know if there will ever be anything like it. Um truly incredible work really like Marvel has has crushed it Disney has done great work every actor in there an actress deserves uh, all kinds of accolades it's really incredible stuff
1: I can only think of a couple of films I've been in where that kind of thing happened where the theater just went crazy and um, and you know it's the moments I, I always remember uh, episode 2 uh, attack of the clones when Yoda has his fight scene oh yeah looking but looking back it's kind of cheesy but at the time it was nuts. We'd never seen Yoda do anything. Yeah, uh, in my theater went absolutely crazy. Absolutely lost their minds. Um, so this is uh, this was similar to that, and it's only happened to several a few times in my life.
0: I remember it's funny. Mine is also Star Wars related. It's not nearly the same caliber, but uh, Force Awakens opening night, Episode Seven. Uh, when when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away comes up, and then it fades, and it's just silence it just hangs like, Oh my God, the, the anticipation in that theater, like as soon as, as soon as the crawl came and like, it's, it starts up and the music gets going, everybody clapped. People stood up, like people were shouting, like could not wait to see what came next. Um, that, that feeling does not come along in movie theaters every day. <laughs> like that it, no. it matters a whole lot when somebody manages to do it and to do it across 11 years is so incredible. Um, truly something uh, worth marveling at. Uh, with that, we should probably wrap. This has been the longest episode we've done in a while, and I'm glad because if yeah. there's ever one we were <laughs> going to talk a lot about, it should be this one. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. We've never done spoilers on off script before, so if you liked this, if you were into it, if you think maybe we should do this again uh, for other films, let us know uh, in 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 uh, ma- an email, I guess I was going to say, in the comments below. Uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, Facebook, uh, wherever you're at, yes, that is where you should do that. Drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram. We're on Twitter. Uh, mail at OffscriptFilmReview.com is our email. If you caught it earlier next week, we'll be seeing The Long Shot and, is it The Long Shot or just Long Shot? I think it's just Long uh, Shot, now that I think about it. Uh, long shot. I can't remember. And uh, extremely, oh Jesus, I gotta look up the title for this thing. I can't. (laughs) It's on on the sheet. It's on the sheet. Extremely wicked, shockingly evil, and vile on Netflix. Uh, Keep it here for more and subscribe if you want to hear that, if you want to hear our thoughts about Avengers, anything else. uh, We're going to be talking about it. So thanks for listening to Off Script, the home of Bold Cinema. Uh, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.